Well, good morning and God bless you, my friends. Before we get into today's teaching, I just want to say a word about Light of Christ Ministries because some of you are fairly new here. And, you know, there are churches that focus on different things. There's some that you can go to, you hear a verse of scripture, they talk about that one verse, they give you a sweet story, they pat you on the head and they send you home. On others, you can get yelled at for being a low-down sinner (laughs) and that you're headed straight to hell. I prefer not to go to those. And others, you may get great music or a great band. And Light of Christ is, frankly, none of those things. We're a small online church, and we focus on the Bible being the Word of God is the will of God, which opens a door to a true and vital relationship with our Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are more concerned about what the Bible itself says when you read the Bible than what some man's opinion of the Bible happens to be. Jesus said, man shall live, not live by bread alone, but every word of God that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So we prioritize searching the scriptures here and letting God speak for himself. What what a concept. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I kind of go crazy when I get in a group of Christians and they say, well, what do you think this verse means? Or what do you think it means? Why don't we just go back and search the scriptures and let the Bible interpret itself? We have a great class out there called Our Father. If you don't have it or you need to hear it, contact me. I'll figure out how to get you one. And it's just a wonderful foundational class on how to study the Bible for yourself. In 2 Timothy 2.15, God said, Study to show yourself approved unto God. So spending time getting to know God, that is love. Did I tell you the title of this teaching? Let all we do be done in love? (laughs) Well, that is, that's the title. Let all we do be done in love. And that is love, spending time getting to know God through his Bible, which is his love letter to us. Paul said in Acts 17.11 that the Bereans, the people he was preaching to in Berea, were more noble than those in Thessalonica and that they not only received Paul's teaching with all readiness of mind, but they also searched the scriptures daily, daily, to see if these things were so, to make the Bible their own. Not to just live in Paul's shadow, but to make their relationship with God tight. So, you know, in a world full of opinions, everybody's got one. (laughs) But only in reading the Bible. Because once we even start receiving revelation from God, our touchstone to to test if that revelation is accurate is it has to line up with the Bible. How can you test it if you don't know what the Bible says? So that's my little intro, kind of giving you some background on Light of Christ. And we're going to go to Acts chapter 3 today, and this is going to be one fun ride in the Bible. Because you know what? God is fun. The book of Acts was originally called Acts of the Holy Spirit because that's what the book actually is. God's Spirit working in His children to do spectacular signs, miracles, and wonders. And there are over 20 major, I mean significant, miracles that occur in the book of Acts and 15 references to signs and wonders 
done by other spirit-filled men and women who did one thing, loved God. All of this is generated out of love. You know, pride goes before the fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. Love is what lights the fuse to true faith in God and gives us the ability to act and love like Jesus Christ in this world. And these were very big miracles. They were spectacular miracles. They got people's attention. And what did that do? That confirmed God's word, his book to us. Matthew 16, 20, you don't have to turn there, but it says, and they went forth everywhere preaching the word, the Lord working with them, confirming his word with signs following. That is the book of Acts in a nutshell. And God asked us to do signs, miracles, and wonders on multiple occasions in the Bible. So they're very closely related, but I really worked these definitions. And a sign, a simeon, is a visible pointer to God's supernatural love for mankind, his attention to us. A wonder, tiros, are works intended to create a sense of awe and amazement of what? God's love for man. Miracles, dunamis, are mighty acts that reveal the power of God's love towards his people. So again, I say, as we go to Acts chapter 3, let all we do be done in love. Because in Acts... It's a beautiful record of Jesus' disciples living, not superficially, but supernaturally, exhibiting God's signs, miracles, and wonders, just like dropping rose petals to the heart of God. And, you know, so many people come to me and talk to me about faith. How do I do the things I do, and how do I walk in power? Look, if we're not walking daily in God's power, we don't have a faith problem. We have the faith of Jesus Christ. If we're not walking daily in God's signs, miracles, and wonders, the nine manifestations, we have a love problem. I think it was Ron Arns that said, what are you going to love, man's opinion or God's opinion? (laughs) Well, when we love God more than ourselves, that's when we get out of our comfort zone, do those things that he asks us to do, and then we're cooking with gas, baby. Then we're cooking on all four burners with gas. And remember this guy, Peter, we're going to talk about here today. You know, a month and a half earlier before all this is happening, he was behind closed doors for fear of the Jews. But only one thing can take the fear out of a man or woman, and that is getting filled with the Holy Spirit and acting, walking out in your spiritual power. That burns the fear out of any man or woman. Acts chapter 3, verse 1 Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour, which is about three o'clock in the afternoon, and a certain man lame from his mother's womb. Boy, just picture that. I can't even imagine being lame from birth. And he was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple who seeing Peter and John about to go in the temple, ask an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes on him with John, said, Look on us. 
and he gave heed unto them, expecting, and that word's prostikeia, which means absolutely unequivocally expecting something wonderful to happen, expecting to receive something from them. Verse 6, Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that this was he which sat for alms at the gate beautiful. What happened, you know, they were filled with wonder and amazement, it says in verse 10, at that which had happened unto him. And the lame man, which was healed, held, you know, probably hugged, squeezed the breath out of Peter and John, and all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. There you go. There's a wonder. A wonder is something that causes a sense of awe and amazement at God's love for his people. I've done this, by the way, in a fellowship with about 25 people and said the exact same thing. A guy's legs were torn to pieces in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. I said, rise up and walk. And he did. He th- it was amazing. Everybody was crying. Everybody was clapping. What do you think that did for their faith? What do you think that did for the new people that were there? It's amazing stuff. Peter and John gave this man, this lame man from birth, way, way, way more than a coin. They healed him, giving him back. Just think about this. Having somebody pick you up and take you to the temple to beg for crumbs. They gave him back his self-respect. I mean, listen, when a person was lame or blind or deformed in that culture, the parents basically disowned them. They just sent them out to beg or die. They didn't want anything to do with them. They believed that if a person was born like that, they were cursed by God, which is absolutely wrong. Nothing could be further from the truth. But that was their culture. And this precious man who simply was lame, by now, he's over 40 years old. Can you, can, you, can you imagine four decades, four decades of humiliation and pain and misery laying by those gates begging, unwanted, unloved, unimportant every single day. And now he's a man, he's strong, he's walking and leaping and praising God for the first time in his whole life. Oh, glory. And when he got healed, man, he rushed into that huge plaza in the temple area where thousands of people were on Solomon's porch. And they're going, what? (laughs) Because all these people had seen this very same man for decades begging at the gate. And now here he is, strong, fit, running, leaping. This got their attention. This is so loving. This is God's love. Boom. And they're wondering what happened. And this gave Peter the opportunity to cut loose, baby, just to (laughs) confirm the word. (laughs) Acts chapter 3, verse 12. Sorry, I get excited. (laughs) Tone it down, Peg. And when Peter saw all the people gathered around, man, he jumped right in there and took advantage of it. He addressed the crowd. 
I used to do this when I had a word and culture thing in Washington, D.C. I would get on the steps of like the National Gallery of Art and stand up on a step. And I would have 50 people that came to the thing. that, And I would gather more people by preaching the word on the streets of Washington, D.C. You men of Israel, why marvel you at this? Or why look you so earnestly on us as though by our own power or our holiness we made this man walk? No, no, no. That's not how it works, folks. Verse 13. The God, our God, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his son Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate, when Pilate was determined to let him go. Remember, they chose Barabbas, verse 15. And you killed the prince of life. whom God has raised from the dead, wherefore we are witnesses, because they had seen the resurrected Christ. Folks, this is a mic drop. But you know what? This was the most loving thing Peter could do, was lay bare the truth. Verse 16, and it's in his name through faith, belief and trust in his name, his authority, (coughs) <coughs> that made this lame man strong, whom you see and know, and know. See, they had seen him, had known him. Yes, the faith which is by him has given this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. <coughs> I think I worked that one time, and it meant he was born missing an ankle bone. So God created an ankle bone in this man's legs. And you know what he did to these people? I mean, I guess you could call it a butt-whipping. But really what he did was the most loving thing he could do, which is say, wake up, repent. This man, Jesus, you rejected? (laughs) He's the one that made this man whole here today. Verse 19, repent therefore and be converted. That, that, that. Your sins may be blotted out. When the times of refreshing, that's what we're in right now. We're supposed to be getting refreshed in the Lord. We're supposed to be refreshing others. When the times of refreshing shall come from what? The presence of the Lord. That's what refreshes us. Not man's craziness, not the news, not everything going on around us, but getting our heart funneled into God's presence and knowing that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. That is the time of refreshing, that river that flows from the throne of God coming into our life. And go down to verse 23. And he, he, he continues this phenomenal sermon. And it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear the prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. Peter's out there telling them like a prophet, believe in Jesus Christ. If you don't believe in Christ, you're not making it into paradise. Your your life, you're going to die the second death. Poof, you're gone. And Peter didn't pussyfoot around with this. He laid it on the line. Repent, repent, change. Get on the good foot. Get with the winning team. Jesus and Jesus alone is the way, the truth, and the life. And if you look at Acts 4, verse 4, there's the payoff by Peter getting bold Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, 
and the number of men was about 5,000 got converted that day, believed what Peter was saying and became children of God, came into the household of God. What a homecoming party. What a day for heaven. The angels must have been rejoicing and dancing. God's clapping his hands. He's saying, way to go, Peter. This same man who denied Jesus three times behind closed door for fear of the Jews, scared of his own shadow, This is what just recognizing what Jesus had put on the inside did to change his whole personality. People say, well, I don't like to talk in public or I'm shy. or ah, That's what you were born with in your flesh. When you look at your spirit, God will give you the greatness of the personality he knows you should have. And it's better than anything we can come up with on our own, trust me. I mean, look, my life took a complete U-turn from where I thought I was going in life. I never thought I'd be a pastor, a preacher, a teacher. I had a whole different path laid out. But you know what? I loved God's opinion more than my opinion. (laughs) And here I am today. So, in Acts chapter 4. Meanwhile, back at the ranch. Delilent, 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 delilent. (laughs) Acts chapter 4 verse 2. And the priests and the Sadducees were grieved. They taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. You know, the Pharisees believed in the resurrection from the dead. (laughs) But the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. And that was why they were so sad, you see? (laughs) But chink I don't get paid for my jokes. So these old Sadducees, they call the popo around four o'clock and they arrested Peter and John for what? For what? What had they done wrong? They'd healed a man. And just to put their point home that they were the ones in authority, they stuck Peter and John in jail overnight to cool their heels. And you know what that's called, friends? That's called demonic intimidation tactics. We're seeing a whole lot of that in our world today because there is no new thing. Under the sun, that which has been shall be, that which was shall be again. And when they got up, Peter and John got up the next morning. They brought them back out to the court area. And now the whole gang is here. You know, hell, hell, the gang's all here. All the high priests, all their lying lackeys, all trying to intimidate the prisoners, P and J, Peter and John. (laughs) And in verse 7, When they had set Peter and John in the midst. Can you see them just gathered around like vultures around Peter and John? Oh, yeah. And the lame guy who's walking, he's in there too. And when they set them in their midst, they asked him, By what power, by what name or authority have you done this? And then Peter, verse 8, filled with the Holy Spirit, asking God what to say, word of knowledge, word of wisdom. Laleo said unto them, You rulers of the people and elders of Israel, verse 9, If we this day be examined of the good deed, good deed, good deed, done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, here it is, verse 10, Be it known unto you, all, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name the authority of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, here we go again, whom you crucified, 
whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you, what, whole, (laughs) W-H-O-L-E, a piece was missing, (laughs) ah, gave that guy an ankle bone. Neither is there there salvation away into paradise, which is what the scribes and Pharisees were supposed to be teaching people how to do, enter the kingdom. Neither is there any other way into the kingdom, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Booyah! Take that high priest, (laughs) stick that in your pipe, and smoke it. Peter had just become... You know, on the day of Pentecost, Peter became a dog soldier. The day of Pentecost, he became a dog soldier. And I heard this years ago, and I love this example. The American Indians are just beautiful people in my heart. And when their villages were invaded many years ago, the Cheyenne Indians in particular, Cheyenne Indians would take a strip of leather off their belt It unraveled five feet of it. And it was beautifully decorated with feathers and beads as, you know, symbols of honor and virtue. And during the battle, they would drive a stake into the ground on that five-foot tong of leather. And they would not leave that site until the battle was over. Win or lose, they weren't leaving. They were going to defend their village. It was do-or-die time. And you know what, friends, in the same sense of the word right here, October 23rd, 2022, you know what? It's dog soldier time for the church. It's time for us to really stake our sincerity for God. Five feet, don't budge. It's time to speak truth to power for God's glory and to really take it up a notch asking God to show us how to do signs, miracles, and wonders for this very reason of what I'm preaching here, to prove and confirm the Word of God, because the love of God and the fear of God has gone cold in the whole world. And we need this kind of advertisement, for lack of a better word, to show the world that God is still here and with us and loves you more today than He did yesterday. Verse 13. And now these muckety-mucks, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, you know, they were just Galileans. They were hunyucks. I mean, you know, they were right out there in the woods and fishermen. They didn't know nothing. And they perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. They marveled. Yeah, their pride was going, what? Look at these rednecks. They're talking to us in that manner. (laughs) We went to Ivy League colleges and seminary. Who do they think they are? And then... They took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And that was the whole point. We represent Jesus. We represent Jesus. Verse 4 and be, 14, sorry, verse 14. And beholding the man which was healed standing with them, what could they say? They could say nothing against it. <laughs> I mean, here's empirical evidence. Here's the guy they've all seen for 40 years. And in verse 18, so they're pretty much stumped. And they say in verse 18, and they call Peter and John and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. 
You know, I think it was in the 80s that in Canada they started calling the Bible hate speech because they didn't like all the verses that were in there. You know, there were verses that talked about not doing certain things. And they said, oh, the Bible's hate speech, and we're going to start putting pastors in jail. And they did, and they've continued to do that, and it's crept into the United States, verse 19. But Peter and John gave it back as good as they got. And they answered and said, "Um, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than God, you judge. (laughs) That is one of the greatest rhetorical questions in the world. Let's see, should we obey God or human beings who don't know squat? (laughs) Even the scribes and Pharisees knew the answer to that one, those little twits. (laughs) Verse 24, we can only speak the things which we have seen and heard from God. See, word of knowledge, word of wisdom. Verse 21, so when they had the scribes and Pharisees had further threatened them, threats, 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 you know, intimidation. They let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people. See, if they hadn't just turned 5,000 people on to the word and and to Jesus Christ, they probably would have thrown them in jail and let them rot there. But it says, but for all men glorified God for that which was done. It was the people themselves that kept them out of prison. This is all God's doing, God's machinations, God fighting for his people. Verse 22 For the man was above, older than, 40 years old, on whom this miracle of healing was showed. Wowie, wow, wow, wow. So here we have these self-proclaimed, quote, mighty rulers, end of quote. They were left dumbfounded, speechless, and hamstrung. They were looking for a way to imprison P&J, but they were boxed in by their own actions. If they did put them in prison, the people who had witnessed this great wonder, they were going to tear them apart. Because thousands of people saw this lame beggar. One minute he's laying at the gate begging, and the next minute he's walking and leaping and praising God. Just like it says in Mark 16, confirming God's word through signs, miracles, and wonders. Simeon's, miracles, Teras, wonders, dunamis. This makes... God so happy he could spit when we do this. This is when they all stand up and clap in heaven. Way to go, kid. Way to go. And how do we do it? We let all that we do be done in love. Verse 23. And being let go, praise the Lord, P and J went to their own folks and reported all that the chief priests and elders had done unto them how they'd been thrown in prison for doing a good work. Again, this sounds a lot like the world we live in today, where good people, righteous people all over the world, even coming out against the WHO, they're being thrown in prison for telling the truth. You know, crazy. After they were jailed and threatened, (laughs) after Peter and John were jailed and threatened not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus, They go back to their group of people and pray for just the opposite. I just, I so love this. I love it. I love it. I love it. And when the group heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord, verse 24. One accord, one heart, one mind, homothumadon, homothumadon, one heart, one mind, and said, Lord, thou art God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is them 
in them is that is Isaiah 40. They are getting their focus on the greatness of God. Not these little petty tyrants that are trying to tell them what they can and can't do. They got, they're getting their focus on the greatness of God, the love of God, the power of God. Verse 25. God, verse 25, who by the mouth of your servant David has said, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. He's quoting Psalm 2 right there. We'll get back to that in a second. For of a truth against your holy child Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever your hand and your counsel determined before to be done. Verse 29. And now, Lord, you, Lord, look at their threatenings. And grant to thy servants a vacation that we can just get out of this mess. That we can just walk away and let you do all the work. We don't have to do anything. No! Grant unto thy servants that with all boldness, boldness, we may speak your word. How? Verse 30. By stretching forth thine hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of your holy child, Jesus. And that is the same M.O. God has today. M.O. is just method of operation. Okay, so a lot of light bulbs went on in my head when I was working this section. You know what they're doing here, right? Spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare. They are standing against the wiles of the devil. They are putting on the mind of Christ. They are putting on the whole armor of God. They are begging God to put them on the front line, to be the tip of the spear. Look at these guys. They are praying for more boldness, which is what got P&J arrested in the first place. But I'm telling you, I think a lot more of us need to fervently pray that same prayer. What do you think? And man, their hearts, they, there was so much homothumadon. They were so on board. They were so locked, locked in on this goal of more, more boldness to preach the word and heal in the name of Jesus, verse 31, that when they prayed, the place was literally shaken. <laughs> Where they assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spake the word of God with boldness. Can I get an amen, people? <laughs> One of the things that really jumped out at me was when they prayed Psalm 2, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? You know, the kings of the earth and all the rulers stood up against the Lord and against his Christ. That is our current situation. That is the world as we know it today. They are against God. They are against Jesus. They are against the Bible. They are against things that are good. They're trying to pervert every area of mankind they can pervert. So just think about this. The first century church, they knew turn the other cheek. They knew love thine enemies. Pray for them that despitefully use you. They were right there, a lot of these people with Jesus. But listen, 
they were mature enough to understand that we cannot let evil take root and run wild. Jesus has given us the responsibility in Ephesians 1 to crush Satan under our feet. How? Through spiritual warfare. This was shocking to me that the first century church got the memo. It really was. I mean, it blew my mind that I could find this in the book of Acts. So some of you are thinking, Peg, you're saying the believers in the first century church were praying for God to crush their enemies? Yes, yes, and yes. Because you know what, people? That is the loving thing to do. Jesus came to set the captives free. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Has his mission statement changed? No. So now, as ambassadors for Christ, that's our job. To set the captives free, to destroy the works of the devil, to actively stand against evil in this world. Look, people, we don't owe the demoniacs anything except a swift demise. So we all need to kind of grow up, mature, suit up, and do the works that God has called us to do, to crush Satan under our feet every day in some fashion through prayer, through witnessing, through healing, through wonders, through taking our nation, our nation and our world. Our wor- This is a global problem, okay? This isn't a... This is not an American problem. This is a global problem. To take the world back for God. To bring the world to those times of refreshing. Those disciples were in a very, very similar place that we are today. And it looked like the powers of darkness could possibly get the upper hand. But instead of giving up, they got up. They suited up. They dug in. They drove their stake into the ground like a dog soldier and prayed for more boldness. And they took the word over the world in three years and six months of feet that we haven't even duplicated with all the internet and everything we have in our day and our time. Again, you ask yourself, how did they do that? Go to verse 33. There it is in chapter 4, verse 33. And with great power... See, that governor, how much power you manifest, that's all up to you. And with great power, the apostles and the disciples gave witness to what? The resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And great grace was upon them all. I did a teaching a few years back that is still true today. Grace is what gives us the power to be like Jesus Christ. We do not have it in our flesh to be like Jesus. That greatness comes from our spirit, and God gets the glory. And what, what is the witness of the resurrection? Signs, miracles, and wonders. Nine manifestations, speaking in tongues, prophecy, healing, miracles. These witnessed that the resurrection happened and that God's word is still true. Those actions are what certify God's love in our heart, says in Ephesians 1. And what kept these 
disciples going in the first century? <laughs> Simply a decision, a passion to share the same truth and love that they were enjoying with the whole world. And you know what? They did. <laughs> in 1974, um, a group of us were going to hear somebody speak in Atlanta, Georgia. 74, man, that's almost 50 years ago. I was just a young sprout. I think I'd only taken the cl- a class about the Bible about two months before we went to Atlanta. So I was a young believer. And I got out of the car first, and we were running late to this uh, meeting, and I was walking backwards, and I was telling everybody, hurry up, get out, get out, get the lead out of your pants. We're, We're running late. And I turned around just super quick, and I just smashed my face into a stucco wall. You know what stucco is? It's pretty prickly. And just was like, okay, and my face, this whole left side of my face was just on fire. And I looked into a pane of glass, and I I promise you, I looked like a freaking monster. The whole side of my face was bloody. It looked like raw hamburger. And I'm telling you, I I was totally freaked out. (laughs) And this tiny little girl, she was maybe 14 years old, walked up to me and used some tough love. She looked me straight in the eye. She had to look up at me. She looked me straight in the eye. And in the sweetest little voice, she said, Do you believe that God loves you enough to heal you? And her frankness, it just shocked me. And, you know, actually it kind of embarrassed me. (laughs) Because here's this little kid looking at me saying, Do you believe God's love is big enough to heal you? And I said, I kind of stuttered. And I said, Yeah, yeah, I do. And I did at that moment. And she loved me enough to touch my face. And she didn't pray for me. She ministered healing to me. And she said, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, face be healed. And as God is my witness, and there were probably eight or nine other people around watching this happen, I was instantly healed. I turned around and looked back in that plate glass window. And the the flesh on my face looked like a baby's skin. And the whole group stood there and watched as my face morphed back into perfectly smooth skin. And the blood, I don't know where it went, it just disappeared. It wasn't on my jacket anymore. It wasn't on my face. And it just looked like it had never happened. I'll tell you what, I sure thank God that that 14-year-old believer confronted my trust in God and got me healed. Because you know what? That is the power of love, my friends. Love isn't gushy, mushy, wishy-washy. Love is doing the will of God. Love is God in action. And that young girl acted from a place of love and confirmed God's word with signs following. I know the teaching that night was on tithing, giving our first fruits to God and honoring the Lord which I have done for the last 48 years, and it works. But the point is, what I've never forgotten (laughs) is that young woman who believed God's love enough to reach out and heal my face just because she could. And all these years later, I remember that event like it happened yesterday. You know what? I don't even remember her name. 
but I remember her love. And it changed the trajectory of my whole life. Because you know what? As far as I'm concerned, that was a mighty miracle. There were a bunch of people around that witnessed it. I've had these things happen to me all throughout my life, both on the giving and receiving end. But she had the boldness to love. She just met me that night. She had the boldness to love a stranger. And that stranger happened to be me. And that took my faith and it just exercised it, just turned it on fire, just poured lighter fluid all over the Christ in me, set me on fire for God. And that's why I don't care if it's a grocery clerk, a person you've known for 50 years, somebody old, somebody new, you never know what one act of love, one seed, one act of love is going to produce in another person's life. Because our job here on earth is to bring more kids home to Papa. And we do it with his way, his MO, his method of operation, loving them, walking in signs, miracles, and wonders. So what's our takeaway from here today? Think about it. What's your takeaway? You know, mine is every day I want to be more fervent in my prayer to God to increase my love and to give me a bigger heart. I want to be more aware of opportunities this very day to love others and share the truth of God's word with them. You know what? When you stand for God, he will always stand for you. There were some people throughout the word that did die for, quote, Christ, but it's because they didn't understand that God could deliver them from that situation. We understand that. We know better. And he will not only stand for you, but he will help you be more bold. They prayed for boldness. So apparently that's something we can pray for. (laughs) It's in the Bible. He can give you more boldness if you ask in faith. And when we walk in love, you know what? We can change this whole world for the better. Let all that we do be done in the power of love. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, open our hearts to learn from the book of Acts. Not thoughts, not I might, not I should, not I could, but the book of Acts. Father, help us follow our forefathers' footsteps, preaching your holy word with all boldness, in love, and loving bigger and bolder every single day we walk on this planet giving all glory and praise to you, Father, in the wonderful, wonderful name of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen, 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 Amen.